WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis, your double E, Ina Esco in the building with a live verbally effective podcast. How is everyone doing on this rainy Tuesday afternoon? Hey guys, be careful out there. I'm hearing that we're going to have really some turbulent weather today. So you guys be safe out there. And, you know, I'm not often live in the studio, but I thought it was very fitting today to have one of uh, the most creative people that I've met recently in the building with me. I am talking about the president of Unapologetic. He is a producer, a sound artist, and truly a creative. I have in the building with me Kid Maestro. What's up, Kid Maestro? Good morning. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Look, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the live podcast. You know, I often record the podcast outside of the WYXR studio, but I was like, I need to get this producer up in here to come and talk to me about his journey, about his process. Uh, Because when I met you at the opening of Outer Space, I said, okay, he's the real deal. He is the real deal. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Uh, it's my first time on the radio, actually. So Is yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we on the radio? Yeah, we're on radio. We are live okay. on the radio. All we right. are live on the radio in the mid south surrounding area. Um hey, y'all be safe out there on, on the road. I know. It's trying to cut up right now, but um we'll probably be done before it really get uh real loose out there but check it out kid my show we're gonna start at the beginning as i always do on the verbally effective podcast where are you originally from i am originally from um a suburb of chicago called chicago heights chicago Heights. yes chicago heights in illinois um yeah that's where i was born that's where my whole family's from uh we moved around a little bit in that area but yeah that's where i'm from i was there till 2013 mm-hmm. and then me and my nuclear family mom dad sisters we moved to memphis uh, where my grandmother and some of my aunts stay mm-hmm. and i've been here for the past nine years for the past nine years now when you were young had you visited memphis often or i didn't i didn't visit often i probably had come maybe three or four times to mm-hmm. visit my grandma but no i didn't come here i didn't come here very often and you said Chicago Heights. I, I just had a guest from Chicago on the podcast, and they were actually from Southside, and, and they made it known like Southside is different from everything else. Is that is that near Chicago Heights or no? Yeah, it's a it's 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 definitely on the South Side, um, but it's it's like forty minutes outside of downtown Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And as you were growing up in Chicago, what was Kid Maestro into? Little little Kid Maestro, what were you passionate about? Do you remember? Oh, man, I was passionate about music. I, I've been wanting to do music for as long as I can remember. So I it started with just wanting to rap. I was inspired by, you know, the greats like Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo! <laughs> 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 A little Bow Wow, you know what I mean? The, the kid rappers at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and then my dad gave me a, an old drum machine he had. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, just programming beats and then staying after school and freestyling with my friends. And then just as time went on, I kind of shifted out of being a vocalist mm-hmm. into uh, into more so just making beats. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. But so. I was into all things music. Okay. Yeah. All things music. Yeah, I was in choir and 
I kind of hear maybe a tenor. Like what, what, what that voice I was, like? I was a baritone. A baritone. Back, okay. back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Give me a little do re me. Uh, Let me nope. hear it. <laughs> that, was, that was a while ago. You know what I'm saying? That was a while ago. But you know what? Yeah. Things like that, uh, being in a choir, having that you know musical foundation that prepares you for everything you're doing today. Yeah. I definitely, I joined... I joined choir because I thought that to be a good producer, you had to know how to read music. Mm-hmm. So in seventh grade, I joined the middle school choir to to try to learn some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up not really learning to read music that well. I had like a small foundation, but I mostly learned like, I think the main thing I got from that was just experience. Um, I learned about stage presence. I learned about enunciation techniques, mm-hmm. stuff that helps me help other artists in the studio i really draw from those experiences okay yeah and you said your dad gave you a uh, drum machine was your dad musical he he was definitely a musical person both my parents were musical but neither of them made music okay. um so my dad he he was just what i would consider a music lover he's real into cars and and car culture and mm-hmm. sound systems and all that stuff so he always just has something you know banging out the trunk or whatever mm-hmm. he played a lot of music and um i think because i showed interest in music at an early age he was pretty intentional about exposing me to a lot of stuff uh same with my mom she she used to be um in like high school band okay and uh what did she, she play she played clarinet okay yeah awesome yeah always first chair that kind of stuff and so she played all kinds of stuff classical music every you know popular music my parents are very uh, current. Okay, <laughs> yeah, come on, sense. parents. Yeah, yeah, okay, so. so you moved to Memphis in 2013, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, what did you think about Memphis? Like actually moving here, the vibe, the culture. Um, you know. So, I think it's important to note that at that time, I had graduated high school already. Okay. Um, and and it had my first year in college. Um, so I was. I was ready for a new chapter like you know I wasn't I was leaving my friends but we were all going off to you know start you know our adult lives anyway mm-hmm. we were all in school so it was just a good time for me to to move so I was pretty receptive uh to whatever Memphis had to offer but upon coming here uh, I don't know I loved it it was it was really interesting I think the the biggest thing the first thing I noticed was the way people drive I noticed that and I wasn't even driving. I just noticed like sitting in the car. How they drive. It was just I don't know. It was just different. Irreverent. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um But I picked up I picked up a lot of uh a lot of different lingo. Um junk became my favorite word. Junt. Um, Yeah, that's my mine too when I first went to Memphis. (laughs) I was was, like, I'm a junt. That was man, I say I say junt every day now. It's it's yes. become a part of me. Maine. So, I say Maine. I did pick that up, mm-hmm. but I had heard Maine a lot. You know okay. what I'm saying? So, I knew that was at least a southern thing. Okay. Um, but, slaw. Slaw. I didn't know. I was like, slaw. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was weird. Um, right. But and I it becomes I, a part of your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I came. I definitely say slaw now. I say all the... I'm. You from a, Memphis? I'm a, I'm a Miffian now. You a, a Miffian? I'm a, almost ten years. I said, once I hit ten years, I feel like all mm-hmm. right. I'm definitely. Well, you almost there, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna claim it. But 
Memphis checking. That was yes. That was probably the biggest shock because not not just because <laughs> the fact that it happened so much, but the fact that everybody <laughs> did it the same way. Mm-hmm. It was like, "What's up, man?" Blah blah blah. Which old yeah, yeah, exactly. Or ain't it? Yeah. Or don't it, you know? And it, it took me a while <laughs> to understand how to use. The little the tag that comes out, but you caught on. You know what I'm saying? I got it. I definitely got it. Yeah. So are you out here checking folks now? No, I. (laughs) Well, I got drive by checked one time when I was I went to U of M. Drive by. I got drive by checked. Okay. Um, and that was just an interesting story. But for like a month or two, Mm -hmm. I practiced. You practiced. I practiced. I practiced (laughs) just in case. You know what I'm saying? I ever need to. You know what I'm saying? Just stand my ground. Okay, you so I mean? you attended University of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So when you got here in 2013, did you yeah. go right in? Yep. Okay, and yeah. what did you major in? I majored in uh, uh, recording technology. Wow. It was part of the music business program, and they have two focuses, music business and recording. I, I was on the recording side. On the recording side. So did you enjoy that curriculum at University of Memphis? Was it very in-depth? Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I always say like music programs, especially stuff like recording and music business are super what you put in is what you get out. But I put in a lot because I, you know, I graduated, wanted to do music, but the school I went to, it was like a private um, small liberal arts college. I was playing a little football there, but it was just, it was just like D3, but I really shouldn't have gone there. Um, And I just had a, I just had an overall bad time. It was pretty... I don't know, lonely and just, you know, it was just not a good time for me. Um, there were no black people there. This was but, in Chicago mm-hmm, before you yeah, came. What yeah. was the name of the school? Illinois Wesleyan. Okay. University. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah. So I was there and uh, I was studying pre-law. Um, okay, pre-law. Yeah, just, just uh, you know, because that was my backup plan to go to law school if music mm-hmm. didn't work out. And it just... That whole semester just didn't turn out. It didn't turn out great. right. I learned how to DJ. That was the the best thing to come from that. But I ended up needing to leave um, because I couldn't make the tuition payments, mm-hmm. and so I finished the next semester at a community college um, around where I lived. And it was an easier transition because I had already had some college credit from my senior year in high school, um, and then. But it was just like it was a time I was trying to get into colleges, but I couldn't find a place because I still owed money to Wesleyan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so University of Memphis, literally on the day we drove down, was the last college to accept me. But it was cool because they had a music program and it was an opportunity to do what I always imagined I would do in college. Wow. So it was, I just felt like it was yeah. divine. All right, let's do this. So I, can't, yeah. I was like, I was pretty excited. And yeah, I loved it. I met I met I make mad beats. Um, my first day taking a tour of the studio, I met okay. Pro, I met CCD, I met like all of them on the first day. Yeah, they were. Wow. It was this huge mm-hmm. recording session, mm-hmm. and I just happened to see them. I went to the the session afterwards, you know, later in the day, and from there it was on and popping. Yeah, it was just I just kept going, um, put in the time in school, and I I really met like the foundation of all my relationships came from mm-hmm. U of them. So. That's awesome. Now, what year did you graduate Memphis? 2017. 2017. So did you immediately get into the recording side of music production? Yeah. Well, I feel like I had gotten into it while I was in school Mm -hmm. because I 
I mean, I was I was doing it. I was I was trying to figure it out. Um, but in 2015, right after I turned 21, um, or actually, it was like literally the day I turned 21, I went to a, sh- a showcase that Mad Beats was having. He was doing a pre- he was opening up for Master Ace. Okay. And I went um, to his show. And he invited me to his home, Dirty Sock Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then, I I literally was going back as much as I could. Um, but he said, "Just come around." So from then on, I you know I was I guess an intern, and then I started to be his uh, assistant. And yes. then that summer, Unapologetic started, and so that yeah. summer, Unapologetic started. Yep. That's what I was wondering. Like, when was the inception of Unapologetic? And you've been rocking with these guys ever since. Yeah. Yes, and now you all have um, opened the Outer Space Studio. And, and um, you know, I was invited, I attended. Um, that studio is magical, and you sit in Butterfly. I know I was sitting in your chair. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know how he feel about me sitting in, in was, his chair here. I was but very receptive to it. You were, you were. Now tell me... Um, about the 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 whole process of creating Butterfly and what you wanted to go into it and what were you intentional about with yeah. creating Butterfly? Yeah, well, um, so as I mentioned, Dirty Sock Studios was Mad Beat's home mm-hmm. and he had two spare bedrooms. Um, studio A, which is where he, you know his studio was, and then we built in another the other spare bedroom, Studio B. Um, which was a lot smaller, um, but it became the place where I was able to develop my skills and work with people and start to have my own clients. And as Unapologetic grew, it just became a place of, I don't know, we just congregated in Studio B. It just had a vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have a, was, a name for Studio B or was it just Studio it, B? It was Studio B. Okay. Uh, Studio A and Studio B, those, those were the names. Um, mm-hmm. And Studio B was just, it was legendary. And it, and throughout, you know, the pandemic you know we obviously couldn't be in the home anymore so we made studio b2 which was okay. the shed out in the backyard <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> we had you know the kerosene heater out there we bought an air conditioning unit because it was mm-hmm. just we were just outside in the elements you know trying to make it happen and but, still had to create in the pandemic exactly um so all of that history that energy of resilience making it happen no matter the size no matter how many people are in the room um that that's what studio b kind of means to me is where people develop themselves people you know learn what it is to be vulnerable with themselves and other creatives um and i don't know i just feel like that's where <laughs> unapologetic artists are born in a sense mm-hmm. um and not not necessarily artists signed unapologetic but unapolo- the unapologetic versions of us you mm-hmm. know what i mean because that was my experience um and i think that comes through collaboration and and synergy and so that was the energy for butterfly is to continue that um so that that was the main thing we were intentional about is making like it wasn't about you know this is where we do this and this is the booth. It was about it being flex and and accommodating to whatever needs to happen in there. So yeah. if we need to film something, I mean, I I went through a stint of recording a bunch of green screen social media content in Studio B. It, it's just like that was the intent, like to make it a flex space so you can 
you can accomplish or just be you as much as you can in that small room. You mm-hmm. know? So that so that was the energy. So that was the intent behind everything. So other than that, it was just like, all right, well, let's just man pick these cool colors and make it feel inviting and, and make it feel as inviting as Studio A, mm-hmm. but have a contrasting vibe. You know and I get it. I yeah. get it. I see that contrast, uh, but it's just as inviting. Yeah. It, it is. It is. Now, um, what is your process as a producer? Like, you know, let's just say you get a call uh, from a new client and they have something in their in their head. How do you pull that out of them? Yeah, man. It, I, for, for me, it starts with conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I just love to... I just feel like you got to get to know people like, you know, I understand that our industry is super fast paced and, you know, producers these days turn out beats in minutes, um, which is a good skill to have. But I feel like I feel like once you get into that game of just like, yo, here's the beat, come record, drop the first thing you think of and then that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like you don't really. I don't feel like that is most likely your most potent version you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i i do believe in quick rapid fire like process and synergy and creative flow but i definitely feel like the foundation needs to come from a sense of understanding from whoever's working on this piece of art Mm -hmm. uh, between the people working on this piece of art so i like to start with a conversation and so it's just to make sure that like okay where you're trying to go is that is that the most is that the seed of it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i believe in making something that when i work with people i like to do things that neither of us have done before you know what i mean so yeah um i feel like you can't really do that if you just start right away and you don't peel back any shells you know what i'm saying so that it usually starts with a conversation or two uh listening to some music see what you like um it's different for every artist because every artist is different. But uh, sometimes people will come in with ideas and we'll we'll record that or we'll work from any sort of like voice memos they have or demos or something and just try to build around it and create the world that they're happy with. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I feel like producers see something in the talent, like in, in the vocal talent that they don't see mm-hmm. like you can pull something out of them that they don't even know they have yeah i because it takes perspective mm-hmm. um and i feel like and i that's what i like about producing is because like if you, both of us are producers what you see in a person is totally informed by your own experiences and mm-hmm. so because you have those experiences like (laughs) you can you can see something that i couldn't you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying or see it in a way that i couldn't or bring it out in a way and so you always get different results with different producers so yeah i just i don't know that's really freeing to know that like this combination is going to be unique Mm -hmm. um just because of that so let's just push that further you know what i'm saying because it can't happen anywhere else and the more we try to like i don't know create a, a sound that we think people are like the more we end up just trying to copy what already exists i don't know so i'm trying to do that mm-hmm. as as least often <laughs> as possible so gotcha yeah. now let me ask you this uh mm-hmm. who have been some of the producers that uh have inspired you along your journey um i would say man my first favorite producer 
like when I was paying attention to who was making the beats uh, was definitely Timbaland. I feel like, you know, partly because of exposure, like my mom, you know, my mom and dad, but mostly my mom, all she played for a good period was Aaliyah. So I think I just kind of grew accustomed to that sound when I was younger. And then when I started paying attention, it's like, oh man, I love everything he's doing. So definitely Pharrell. Um, I think secretly I, f- I found out just by researching the songs that I've heard and liked uh, Rick Rubin. Mm. Um, he's, my, he's classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Rick Rubin, he just did a lot of stuff that I love. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, I guess this is one of my favorite producers because he's uh, the through line between these different vibes. Uh, definitely Kanye West. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Kanye uh, at that time where he started to become really important to me was around graduation. And my mom was a huge Kanye West fan, so she played that album a lot. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was still, you know, trying to rap. So it was really inspiring to see like a, a an artist who also made beats. Um, it was like, oh man, you can really do this and so I just felt like I just I don't know I learned a lot from him from yeah. song structure it just felt refreshing every time I would listen to something yeah. he would do and, and he was kind of like the first of his time like to ever like cross over into that producer space right um well I mean you had like Dr. Dre and you know and those guys and you know even classics like Quincy Jones would mm-hmm. put out his own album but at least for me he was the first me and in Timberland too was like, you know, he was putting out records and, and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Kanye just had like a a certain appeal. And he and did. at the time his music was just to me better than everything else I was hearing. And he got a like, lot of no's before they let him do his thing. This is true. This yes. is true. He was I very was, resilient. He he was. I and I feel like I learned about that after the fact. You know, I really got I really knew about him. Like, I remember when Jesus Walks and stuff came out, but I was just just too young to really like be paying attention like that. But graduation, when it was like the whole Fifty Cent verse verse Kanye mm-hmm. kind of rollout, uh, that was really my introduction. And at that point, you know, I don't think anybody was really telling him no. Okay, uh, it's, just, it's <laughs> no. hard to it's hard to express, but just how he carried himself just made that confidence is really infectious yes it is and and i feel like people need that sometimes to to help them through their lives definitely well check it out kid maestro president of unapologetic producer sound artist we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get right back into this combo a full day of free live music is on tap at WYXR's Raised by Soundfest, sponsored by Mempho Presents. Spend the day at Crosstown Concourse on Saturday, December 3rd, to see performances by Mac Rowe, Welkstall, Lemons, Doll McCoy, EDX Tico, Knotts, and Aaron Ray. Two ticketed fundraising events wrap up the fest. Big Star's 50th anniversary of number one record at Crosstown Theater, and a DJ after party with Andrew Van Weingarten and Bodywork. Plus, Kevin Morby will kick things off on November 30th for the opening of This Is a Photograph exhibit. Go to RaisedBySoundFest.com for details and ticketing info. 
That's right, WYXR 91.7 FM, Memphis, Raised by Sound. Hey, guys, you know that Raised by Sound Fest is this upcoming Saturday. We hope to see you in the building. Your double E, Ina Esco, in the house today doing a live, verbally effective podcast with my good friend, Kid Maestro, super producer over there at Unapologetic. We are chopping it up, talking about his journey, talking about this new studio over there out of space uh if you guys have not checked it out you really have to tune in to what's going on it's like a big creative hub with all of your favorite talent (laughs) in my eyes uh you have some of my favorite people over there now um how can everybody tap into outer space if they want to come and record with you guys kid maestro yeah you just go to outerspacemain.com and you'll be walked through the whole process um I will say, if you're an artist and you would like to save a little money, there is a a, a small dis- discount um, to book time there. If you book through our app, Unapologetic World, available for iOS and Android. So yeah, OuterSpaceMain.com or the Unapologetic World app. Now, have you guys been super busy since the opening? We have been super busy. Um, we've gotten quite a few inquiries, you know, right away. I feel like it's exciting because... You know, I just feel like I feel like the city needs and and needs is a strong word. I feel like it needs it, but I feel like I feel like this city and the creative community has been in need of artist focused spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of studios are engineer focused spaces, which makes a lot of sense because you know the main driver is the engineer Mm -hmm. because we're there to record and create a very good sonic sounding record you know what i'm saying to make sure that your represent your song is represented on the best quality that's why you book time and, and and hire a competent engineer but at times because it's so focused on the the sound quality the environment can become a little stale um and unapologetic we we are very competent engineers there but we're also artists all of us are artists mm-hmm. um and we put our artistry in the for- first and foremost and you know we we care a lot about vibe and those conversations and it being a place where people can you know shed shed those layers stop pretending you know to be you know what this city might make you think you need to be to be mm. successful or Come you know, on. all the shells that you put up from being checked so much you know what <laughs> I'm saying like this is a place where that stuff gets broken down and exposed and you can really um, express yourself mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying your truer self and be the most potent and that, re- that just requires a creative environment it requires yeah. a place that clearly says hey Whatever it is that you got, however it is you come, whatever version you bring to the table, it's open, it's accepted, um, and that's the focus. And so, we're going for we're going for vulnerable performances, um, not just sonic quality. So that's mm. that, and I just don't think I've been in a place where the the vibe is a focus like as much as the sound is gotcha so. now let's talk about um 
you know, music from Memphis because, you know, Memphis is deeply rooted in so much, so many elements of music. And, you know, we're getting our cred now, (laughs) but um, it started long ago Um, on a hip hop tip. I mean, we're getting a lot of cred right now uh, on the hip hop tip. Uh, A lot of Grammy nominated right now. We have Oscar winning artists as well. Um, Do you think there is a Memphis sound or we don't want to put it in a box? Mm. Man, there certainly is a Memphis sound, but there are there's more. I feel like. I don't know. This city, in my opinion, has a tendency to to like when something works, ignore everything else. Mm. So uh, I know when I moved here, I definitely noticed that there was a very high focus on the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like all our tourism is based on the music that happened, you know mad long ago Mm -hmm. and that was great and it changed the world so it deserves that respect but it kind of ignored everything else happening gotcha and then you know our hip-hop scene uh got popular everywhere else but here got (laughs) stolen by other cities i don't say stolen but uh, you know Mm -hmm. incorporated on the cities that got the credit for it um but it's you know, when you look at <laughs> the sound of rap from the 90s in Memphis and then listen to the sound of rap today, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Who did it first? It To me, is Memphis. Yes, know? indeed. Especially, you know, so so there's that sound. However, <laughs> however, however, again, with the popularity of that, everything else tends to get ignored. And so... What we find is a lot of alternative or just other sounding artists either change their sound to, to fit, be more like that, yeah, to be more like that, or they leave to go other places. It's a lot of that, right? Um, and that is just crazy that you say that because it's like Memphis is a coin, and unapologetic exists. You know, one of the reasons we exist is to flip the coin to the other side there's more than those sounds that come from this place mm-hmm. and they are just as valuable just as valid and just as potent mm-hmm. um just as much as of a reason for people outside of memphis to come visit this city mm-hmm. um and but we just a those type of creators don't know about each other um or they feel like they have to leave or change and yeah. you know we felt like all right well we want to be that you know bat signal in the sky mm-hmm. to say hey if you if you feel ostracized creatively if you feel like your sound can't exist in this city we strongly disagree and we're here so and we're, we're making it happen you know what I'm saying? so that's that's unapologetic method um um mission gotcha. is to is to just be the other side of the coin Do you feel, yeah. i'm sorry do you feel like there are gatekeepers on the music like uh to to get us over that hump of hey we're here no i personally don't feel that way now i i I know a lot of people would disagree but i personally don't feel that way i feel like more so um the gate is 
I would say more so uh, culture and resources. Yeah. Um, there's just a culture of leaving, of just believing that you can't. <laughs> I'm going to Atlanta. Yeah, you're saying it's just a. That's just the culture, and so because that though that idea that it's just not possible here. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the gate. Like we don't even believe it could work, and then I feel like that it kind of is a cycle of perpetuation. Like you don't believe it can work because you feel like there are no resources here, and if everybody's leaving, those resources don't get made, which like perpetuates the cycle. You know, so yeah. I don't feel like there's like people that could hold back anything. Um, maybe maybe back in the seventies and sixties or whatever. Mm-hmm. when you know there were giants like that possibly um, i wasn't around back then but definitely not now i think it's more so like a belief that it can happen and then just a culture of like making it happen yeah. um, in that city to get to the next level i don't think there are like people that are like nope this is for us yeah you know now how do you feel about radio and music do you feel that it's necessary for artists um with the inception of social media and the internet um it's hard to say i haven't listened to the radio in a very long time to be completely honest you don't listen to it at all no um but i don't I mean, yeah, I don't really listen to it at all, but that doesn't necessarily mean I wouldn't or I don't know people who don't like, I, I mean, I know people who, <laughs> I know people who listen to the radio. I just don't. So, uh, it's not like something I focus on, but I feel like, so here's what I feel about radio. I feel like things like this are very important. Like, in the sense of avenues to expose people to the artists. Gotcha. Back in the day, it was like the radio is where you heard the music. Now you can hear the music at any time you want. So now you need places to expose people to what you want more of. The behind the scenes, the conversations with the artists, the intent. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. information, possibly, like all the other things that we want. So, and you know when i listen to any form of radio it's in the form of an interview normally and it's also in the form of a video that was also aired on the radio that i can yeah. watch on youtube so you, you know don't want youtube tough. Exa- exactly and so if radio is shifting in that direction and they have the resources to talk to the artists and share stories but they just have a video form as well then i feel like radio is super relevant and if people know that's where they can get those stories first like in the case of maybe like some of the popular radio stations in you know new york or whatever Mm -hmm. like on their commute to work they'll tune in and listen and maybe catch the rest on youtube so i feel like it's not uh that necessary in terms of exposing people to music but exposing people to people i think it's super relevant so for an unapologetic artist, what what is the process for them to be exposed as an artist? Um, are you are you gonna do you all take them through the radio route or that's not even necessary at this point? I feel like um the only conversations I think we've seriously had about radio um are college radio. Um because if nothing, it's just 
an, an inlet into the college community. Um, yeah. Ideally, it would be shows, right? Doing college shows. Yeah, that's their but, audience. Yeah. Right. But, you know, if if radio has any sort of audience, I mean, everywhere has an audience. Somebody's listening. So it's an opportunity to touch somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but in terms of like impact, I feel like college radio would be something we've seriously like uh, considered and looked at for, you know, reaching people. And, and then just artists dreams like it still it still means something to hear your song on the radio uh, because we grew up with that yeah. it's it's more sentimental and it, it means something like if you get an interview with you know a radio station that everybody listens to right it's it's more of a milestone thing and so you want to achieve it's more like a, a marker of quote-unquote success if that's if that's one of the ways you measure it by yeah. Those are the serious ways we consider radio. Um, but at the same time, there's lots of money that gets poured into it. It just kind of feels like serious radio just feels like a very major label kind of world mm-hmm. that from what we just hear requires a lot of money too. Mm-hmm. Um, that just doesn't seem like something that is important to focus on, especially when we're going for alternative audiences you know what i'm saying who's yeah. like you know you you would definitely hear a title the creator interview on the radio um but not, up until more recently you probably wouldn't hear his music being rotated i mean still you probably won't hear much of his music being rotated on uh not a hip-hop com- yeah on yeah. a hip-hop you know yeah. radio station even though he's very clearly a rapper mm-hmm. um so if you're if you feel like people who are fans of Tyler Creator would be fans of you and the radio doesn't play him stu- his stuff, then why 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 dump resources that could be better used somewhere else to yeah. have a bigger effect? So it's really I think it's a lot about your audience too. Definitely. Yeah. Always about the audience. I like to ask people, especially people in the music business about their outlook and uh, perception of radio right now because I've been in radio for over 20 years and it's changed so much mm-hmm. and the people's expectations have changed so much. Um, One thing that's cool about WYXR um, and I'm not saying this just because I'm, <laughs> I'm here in the studio <laughs> with uh, everybody listening but uh, one thing that's, that is cool about WYXR is this is the most community centric radio station I've ever seen or heard of. Um, and like, I, I legit know the people that do the programming for this and they're cool people. They're creative people, people we would invite to, <laughs> to outer space, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To chill. Right. Uh, so a lot of times because it's like oh man i know this person is actually pretty creative i've talked to them i've had conversations with them and they know this place they know the artists here i i am more inclined to tune in because Mm -hmm. i know how they're coming i trust the people you know what i'm saying and the community because the people that the community selects to you know curate you know the programming for this yeah know the community and have been seen in the community and give to the community you know in one way or another and so this feels like it does service you know what i'm saying something because we trust the people we trust the people 
Yeah. Um, so if I if I had to say anything about radio and its importance, its importance is mostly comes back to the people, right? Then the idea itself of radio. It's yeah. more about like I know this is going to be a great conversation because that person, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I trust their brand. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it's more about individual branding to form a collective good idea about any radio station. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause, cause this, I've worked at quite a few radio stations, but mm-hmm. this has to be my fave um, mm-hmm. to give you that creative control of your show. Cause yeah. at a commercial station, buddy, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. But, um, Kid Maestro, I want you to tell us some of the biggest misconceptions of a producer. Mm. Man. What are the biggest misconceptions? I would say... I don't know what the biggest misconceptions are. But I, if I had to guess what some might say, what might not know about producing is that a producer that there are multiple um, definitions of producer today where that didn't used to be the case Um, excuse me um, a lot of people consider the producer the person that made the beat but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case producer in the more overarching traditional sense is the person responsible for the product being finished Mm. right so that doesn't mean that they're doing the programming or playing the instruments or mixing it or mastering it necessarily a lot of producers fulfill those roles these days due to just changes in technology um and budgets um Mm -hmm. and just the creative process everything's Mm -hmm. a lot faster and a lot more at home these days so a lot of times they do make the beats but that's not the case a producer is more about executing the vision having and executing the vision um Mm. and you can be pretty hands-off um but you got to be in the room and you have to be able to direct and get things done you have to have a vision for the mix like you know producers traditionally don't just pass off to another mixer and then that's just it they don't just make the beat and move on they see the product through um and i feel like that's starting to shift because you know strictly beat makers are are considered producers like in terms of like just what you would say like oh i'm the producer um but i feel like nowadays even though it's not said there are multiple multiple producers on the song because the beat maker doesn't necessarily see the vision through a lot of times the artist is the producer because they're the one executing the vision Mm. um you know which is how they're getting that producer credit yeah and 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 there are other niche producers as well like there are vocal producers people who literally come in and focus on the vocal performance and helping you get the best vocal performance that's appropriate for the song you know there's you know so so the producer term is just so <laughs> expansive it, it just encompasses a lot more than it making does. the beat than it making does. the beat 
Yeah, and um, you know, when you first got here before we started recording, um, I kind of, you know, started this conversation with you. You know, kind of like to me, the producer is getting a lot of more focus uh, now versus back in the day, and and I believe you kind of started it with mustard. <laughs> On the beat, right? Yeah. But we hear the producer name in the song yeah. often. Hit kid, yeah. you know. I feel like tag I, tagging. I could, I could be wrong. I, I feel like I'm a in this interview and driving, and I'm like, dang, I should have. <laughs> I forgot about this person. So just all producers out there, forgive me. <laughs> but I feel like DJ Mustard was like the beginning of the producer tag. However, I was also saying that the the prominence of the producer in terms of the importance of the record i feel like was at at least in the 90s you know what i'm yeah. saying because you know you had your, your dj premieres your dr dre's um you know you, you just you just knew it was it was more camp focused i think back in the 90s where it was like oh this is the the team the you know what i'm saying the death yeah. row team and they had, row. you had dr dre and you had you know it was a sound too like you knew they sound yeah and but i feel like in the 2000s that shifted too um i mean not in terms of knowing people's sound but like you know producers is like really in the records i feel like timbaland Mm -hmm. and i think they had their tags but it was it just came in a different form like you knew it was (laughs) pharrell and the neptunes they just had a sound pharrell always Mm -hmm. you know it's a pharrell john if it starts with that dun dun to, mm-hmm. to, and then the beat start like that was their version of the tag Timbaland always used his voice in the song he sure did very you know creative saying? you know what I'm saying so you always you could identify you know what I'm saying you can identify people so I don't know I feel like the producer prominence like the age of the super producer definitely I feel like started in the 90s but then again you, yeah. you had guys like Quincy Jones who the ultimate super producer in, my, in my eyes. I don't, know, I don't know if he had a tag. <laughs> What's your tag, Kid Maestro? Uh, my my current tag is oh my god, it's the Tajan God. The Tajan God. I was gonna ask you about that Tajan <laughs> in a minute. So so I can hear that on all of your your music. Not all of it, but a lot of it. A lot of it. A lot of beats that are out that I've done or like that's on my SoundCloud or that I produce with like all mm-hmm. from a pro. Um, it's oh my god it's Tajan God there's also like a little sound that I put it's hard to <laughs> replicate but mm-hmm. it's consistent enough to like oh I've been hearing this sound and then you find out oh it's Kid Maestro um, I feel like I feel like my tag is gonna evolve some more mm-hmm. um, nowadays people have multiple tags um, so you know what I'm saying in like one if you, you, song or well, it just, just has evolved it, just over time like you look at a producer like uh, Hit Boy mm-hmm. he has multiple mm-hmm. tags because they just they evolve you're like oh this is cool or somebody says something cool you're like i'm gonna just use this <laughs> so i have i'm I'm building my rolodex of of sounds that you can know me by because sometimes a tag isn't appropriate mm-hmm. like you know the production work i did with i did for aaron james's most recent ep that just came out i'm not tagging i'm not gonna put my tag in mm-hmm. a bunch of indie folk <laughs> it just doesn't it's not appropriate you know what i'm saying so there's yeah. no specific like sound that says this is me but um it still is 
you know gotcha. uh, so I don't I don't need it all the time so tell me about some of the artists you've been working with lately you just mentioned Aaron James um you know because I, I want people to understand and you to communicate you know the, the types of production you do uh, mm-hmm. over various genres yeah um so Aaron James is the the most recent thing that come out he's a alternative slash indie folk artist um who I met uh he actually is from Pennsylvania a small town called Elizabethtown in Pennsylvania and we both came to U of M at the same time and yeah we went through the same like uh music business I mean music and record recording program um and we started you know working on music together he's a part of Unapologetic um and we just finished his debut album which I'm extremely proud of it's called Nobody Really Makes Love Anymore um, so yeah, you can check that Shout out. Shout out Aaron James. Yeah, so him. There's also, of course, my guy Offum, a weirdo from Memphis. What's uh, up, Off? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of, he's got mad projects and songs out that you can hear. He's like alternative rap. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, there's my guy Cameron Bethany. I love Cameron Bethany. You know what I'm saying? Of course. He's so my, talented. My guy Pro, two X's. What's up, Pro? You know what I'm saying? And you know, Pro's range is is crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember I met he he was the artist that was uh he was the vocal artist, the main one of the main ones at that session that I met everybody at when I took a tour of the U of M studio. Um and it was just it's just dope to work with him because I remember when I first moved here here and I said to myself, Man, one day I'm gonna work with him. And now <laughs> we cook up all the time. So all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean pro. Shout out to uh uh my my good friend uh Rhiannon. I don't know if you know Rhiannon, but she just released a single called Nighttime. And I didn't this is another situation where the producer role is more expanded because I, I didn't make that beat. Um but I, I guess took a more executive producer role. Um, I made some edits to to the production I was made. I did the mixing, um, but more so just help craft the direction of the song mm. and, and take what was there, the idea she came with, and expanded it into the more potent, or what we believe is a more potent version of what she was trying to get across. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that that type of production. Oh, and who else, man? I got my man early out in LA right now. He's uh he's also from Chicago. Um, but he's been in Memphis so as long as I've known him. Met him at U of M originally. Again, um, we were working on his project, which is yet to come out, but I'm excited for when it finally does. Um man, who else have I worked with? I produce my own stuff. I'm an okay. artist as well. Yes, uh, I see yeah. you on social media, uh, you know, letting us hear your beats and you being creative. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to work on a a uh, a project which you know I could probably use a producer of my own um, because when you produce yourself, like it's different being a producer and an artist. There's there's a level of objectivity and creativity that gets blended in when you when you get to be the producer mm-hmm. and you get to help artists navigate their own vision because artists they're so in it. They're so emotionally invested um, and they have so many ideas and visions for themselves and how they want to be presented, how they what they want to say. You know, it. a lot of times artists can feel like, yo, this is <laughs> I got to make the best thing or the most important thing that I made to date. And producers help navigate that. 
when you're the artist and you have to produce yourself it's it's a little bit tougher to navigate that. it seems like it is yeah um but i think this working on my own project is important because there's a lot of I'm getting to have those conversations with myself that that vulnerability, the self discovery, my own insecurities, my own thoughts. I'm having to be seriously confronted with what I want out of life. And these questions come from deciding, yo, I want to make some art that gets put out to the world and packaged in a certain way that we call it an album. I make beats and music all the time, I post all the time. But when, when you make a decision, yo, I'm going to present a body of work right it just means something different and it just brings up a lot it's almost like therapy <laughs> in, in a way sounds like it yeah and uh, and this is why i think producers are really important because they help people navigate that and make something that they needed in their life and that can help other people and so i'm finding that version whatever that is for myself um, okay yeah so yeah. you're gonna release a body of work very soon I don't know. I don't know what you mean by very soon, okay. uh, but yes, I am. In, in, in your time, in your own time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you mean by like on some next month or in the next year, but you know, I'm definitely aiming to release my own body of work in the next year. And I've re- I put out like projects, but I've um, I won't say devalued, but I presented them in a way to make them feel not so official so i didn't i didn't have the same pressure emotionally that i am Mm -hmm. that i have now creating something i'm trying to say you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. as i do now you know i'm saying with this with this project i'm working on so yeah i feel like my next hurdle is producing myself come on producing yourself i I can't wait to hear it kid maestro I mean, me too. (laughs) Repeat after me. Amen. Say mine. Amen. Say mine. This is a moment of transparency between you and me on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I want you to tell us the one artist that you would love to work with that you have not worked with thus far Mm. in your wildest dreams. My wildest dreams. My wildest dreams. Um, Amen. Amen. Oh man, I certainly have a, I certainly have a list, but um, I have a list. So I'm gonna name one, but I have a list. (laughs) Uh, He has a list. Um, I would say Solange. Yes. Oh, I love Solange, and we waiting on some new stuff from her, honey. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she's waiting. Hopefully she's waiting on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> have you approached their team? No, I have not approached their team. I I wouldn't even know how to get in contact with their team yet. But um, I believe that collaboration will come organically. But I would say Solange just because. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce, <laughs> really? So why why Solange yeah. over Beyonce? So I had to take that pause because I love this beat. This, I do too. The, the Silent Hill joint. Yeah. So it just sorry. <laughs> um, I I say Solange because I would love to work with Beyonce too. But I think I think working with be Beyonce is like I think I 
I really just want to see how she works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot to learn and get inspired from. Just like I, I feel like she's like her work ethic is just so crazy that it would yes. just be like I just feel like I need to experience that. I, I feel like working with Beyonce is more like a challenge, like a mm. professional challenge to overcome. Though, like, am I at the stature to survive this camp? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, can I can I do this? Yeah. Uh, so I would love to work with Beyonce, but I feel like Solange. From what I can tell, her approach is so free. She's not afraid to break rules and form mm-hmm. and and lyric choices. She doesn't need to put anything lyrically on there. Yeah, she um, got it going on. I feel like I feel like I can truly experiment and try something different. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 not feel pressure to follow a specific sound or create a certain thing i feel like solange just has a a energy of freedom Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and then presenting the process of the the product of that at a high level yeah which is the dream i think to work with artists that truly want to just express and be free Mm -hmm. and 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 find themselves with the different types of collaborations and process, you know what I'm saying? And and not come uh not come with like a structure in mind or anything, just like mm-hmm. just ideas and let them flow and evolve. I get that sense with Solange, especially this this la- the latest album she released. Yeah. I I just remember when it came out, I had to just bump that joint twice. We were all yeah, on like, it and uh, hungry for more. Yeah, and I was like, yo, this is I gotta work. <laughs> that was when it was like, yo, I gotta work with her. This is yes. She, whatever she's doing, she gets it. Whatever that team is doing, I, I gotta be a part of that. Solange's goals. Yeah. All right. Well, Kid Maestro, we have talked for an hour. I mean, I really, really? we can really just go and go, but um, definitely a part two coming up. I really appreciate you for uh, sharing your journey here on the Verbally Effective Podcast today, live at the WYXR studio. Um, do you have any shout outs that you would like to do before we depart? Yeah. Shout out my team, Unapologetic. Shout out Outer Space. Outerspaceman.com, the Unapologetic World app. Shout out to Mad Beats, Marie, Aaron James, Elo, Pro, LJ, Unique, Awesome. Um, who am I? Who am, uh, did I say Pro already? Uh, Cam, my man C Mage. Who else? Shout out to Thailand. Shout out to Ariel. Shout out to Maddox. Shout out to Frankie. Uh, shout out to Nikita. Um, shout out Mackenzie, Kenzie Kins. Um, I'm missing anybody? It don't sound like it. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Shout <laughs> out Shekinah. Um, shout out Adam. Shout out Nova. Shout out my mom. You know what I'm saying? Dad. Your sister. My sisters. I love uh, her. Yeah, you met Cameron. I got yes. my other sister, Kayla. Yes. Um, yeah, shout out, shout out the city. Shout out you. You Thank know what I'm saying? You. I appreciate it. Yeah. Is there um how can people continue to follow your journey? Can you give your social handles out to everyone? Yeah. Uh main junt is uh official kid maestro on Instagram, official kid maestro on TikTok, kid maestro on Twitter. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being verbally effective with me today, Kid yeah. Maestro. I feel like a part two, like I said, is coming soon. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Let's, yes, let's the really. Next, the next one we could just ask. I could ask you all the questions. Maybe. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. We'll see. Because it seems like you're going to have some deep, profound questions for me. I probably will. I'm That's, sure you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to have to make me think hard. You're going to have to make me think hard. But thank you guys for tuning in yet again to another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on all social media platforms and that Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. Don't forget, we are having the Raised by Sound Fest this upcoming Saturday. Mac Rowe, Wilk, Stahl, Lemons, Doll, McCoy, and more. We'll see you guys on Saturday. A full day of free live music is on tap at WYXR's Raised by Soundfest, sponsored by Mempho Presents. Spend the day at Crosstown Concourse on Sad Doll McCoy, 